Hey everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I'm your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Today, we are talking about your fascia. Now, certainly fascia has become a hot topic in the beauty and wellness industries lately, all thanks to treatments and tools that are purported to help loosen tight fascia in the body. And while it is buzzy, it is not necessarily well understood. So first up, fascia is made mostly of collagen, that connective structural protein we all know and love. Now we know that unhealthy fascia can mean a lot of things. It can show itself as muscle discomfort, tightness in the body in general, decreased performance, decreased athletic performance, alignment issues, and so much more. For the skin specifically, we know that it can cause an uneven texture and appearance, even things like premature aging and so on. We also know that a sedentary lifestyle, you know, a very common issue nowadays can decrease fascia health. So to figure out how you can care for it properly, I invited Shalani Bhatt to help explain it to us. Shalani uses body work, physical manipulation, breathing exercises, and nutrition to help care for the fascia in her own practice. So I'd love to have her explain it more from here. Shalani, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So before we begin, I always like to give my listeners a chance to get to know our guests just a little bit better so it can inform the discussion that we're going to have. So please tell us about yourself and share your story. I'm personally so interested to learn more about you. So take it away. (laughs) All right. So on a personal level, I'm half Indian, as you can probably tell from my name. And I grew up in Toronto, Canada, but my father's from India. And I saw a lot of allopathic medicine because my father's a surgeon. And I grew up a lot around organic farming because in India, my family has a huge organic farm. And obviously, Ayurveda is a study of medicine in India. So I grew up with this very unique lens on what it means to heal our body, our relationship with our body, and so on and so forth. I know this podcast specifically is a bit more about beauty. So, you know, in my experience and sort of how I ended up where I did was just me looking for how to heal my own self, how to feel really good in my own body. And the first way through that for me was kind of the external or outer world things we can sense, I guess. So, you know, lower back pain or tight muscles or, you know, any kind of body feeling or sensation because I grew up dancing. So that kind of external feeling, I was like, why do I always have back pain or why I'm always bloated? And I just kind of thought that those things were normal for the longest time. I thought just if people ate, then of course your stomach bloats out a bit because you just ate something. And so it was kind of my own personal journey of inquiring about my own self that brought me to study the body. I did a degree in kinesiology 
And then I went ahead and did my degree in chiropractic, my doctor of chiropractic. And then I went on to study acupuncture and got licensed in acupuncture. And then I was like, wait, acupuncture is really cool. There's a whole facial acupuncture cosmetic world to it. So I then did that. And then I was like, wait, this bloating kind of isn't going away. And then I went back to school to study functional medicine. So that's sort of my background and my personal story. And at every pass where I took another course or decided to add to my tool belt, it was because of something I was experiencing in my own body. So like I said, bloating was a big part of my journey. Back pain was a big part of my journey. Knee pain was a big part of my journey. I had knee surgery and also my skin, which we're going to talk about here. So those going through those things, I always am searching for the best. I'm always searching for the best results and how I can do something for the long term. So I'm sure you guys get a lot on this podcast, makeups and products and all kinds of things to create that outer transformation of beauty. And for me, it was kind of more finding that longer term solution and how can my skin, like, why is my skin, you know, flaring up? Why is my back hurting? Why am I feeling bloated? And a lot of those things with, again, like I mentioned, my background led me to fascia, which we are going to discuss in depth today. Well, I can't wait to get to that part. But before we do, I just want to dive a little bit more into your skincare and beauty journey. You know, you mentioned that that is definitely a part of your career trajectory. It was a part of your health journey in general. But I would love to know more about your relationship with beauty and, you know, how you came to realize that beauty and wellness are just so interconnected. Okay. I love this question so much. For me, beauty growing up was conventionally how everyone thinks of it. So I'm sure the girl in the magazine, you know, with the 25 inch waist and, you know, the eyeliner and that glow and whatever else. And for me coming, you know, where I am now in life, I'm realizing that it's not really how she looks that we were kind of aspiring to, but more that she was confident looking and radiant and, you know, tall with nice posture, didn't look bloated, like all those things. So, you know, I guess going from this outer beauty perspective to realizing it, that it actually comes from inside, that's been a big part of my journey. And the other thing of growing up seeing, you know, beauty or again, conventional beauty, how we would speak of it was very performative. So I grew up dancing. So if we had a dance recital or a competition, you'd put on so much makeup to almost become someone else, if that makes sense. And, you know, my Indian side, when, if you, you know, can picture in our culture, weddings, there's so much makeup. We put henna all over like our bodies, like the the body really becomes a canvas for this beautiful makeup and artwork. And, you know, the bride in an Indian wedding becomes this just stunning piece of art, to be honest with you. Yeah. She's adorned in so many different jewels and gold and all kinds, silks and so many things. So I really saw beauty as almost kind of a performance. And I think, interestingly enough, flipping it back to where I am now, getting as we get closer to 40, as women, I think we approach beauty a little bit differently because we want, we kind of are finally feeling like ourselves in our skin. And we just want that to show on the outside where we, I don't know, in my generation, anyway, that's a bit of a conflict because the images we grew up with 
were these very performative or these models in magazines and all kinds of things. So I just try to, I don't know, in my world, I try to help women be more home in their own body and in their own skin. And to me, that's really beautiful. So when I think of, you know, the most beautiful people or women are passionate people, they're grounded, they're authentic, they're present, you know, they say what they mean. So that to me now, I guess, is what I would consider beautiful. So let's go ahead and get into the fascia. This is the point of the episode today, and I am so excited to get into the nitty gritty of it, but let's go ahead and lay the groundwork for everybody listening. Will you please explain what exactly the fascia is? Because I do think it's something that is talked about in the wellness world, but perhaps not necessarily well understood. So can you just kind of lay the groundwork for us? Yes. So fascia, just like any other type of system in the body. So, you know, typically a chiropractor, you'd say, oh, they know the bones really well. And, you know, there's our circulatory system, there's our nervous system. And fascia is really a connective tissue and it's a system around our body. So if you picture our muscles, fascia encases every single muscle that we have. It encases every single bone that we have. So those would be the deepest layers of fascia. An example of that deepest layer is when you have a steak or if you have chicken or anything, you can see that kind of white film that you can sort of peel off. And that's exactly what fascia is. We also have fascia wrapped around our organs and we also have it just living underneath the skin. So those are the three layers of fascia. Now to picture it, Another way, actually, for the vegans out there, instead of steak, you can think of an orange. So when you peel an orange, an orange is divided not only into that circular orange shape, but then you can divide it into wedges, but you could also break the wedge and see the little droplets. So there are so many different layers to that orange, and they're all individually wrapped to keep all that juice in its own different compartments. So fascia is the same way. It wants to keep the hydrated tissue within that quote unquote sack of connective tissue. One of the like easiest ways to picture it two dimensionally is women's nylons. So if you picture a pair of women's nylons, you can, you know, put your arm in and it would be flexible or you can pull it east and west. And some, if someone were to flick it, it actually becomes very strong and tensile. That's the same way fascia works. Fascia can be flexible when it's at ease, or it can be very strong and tensile, like, again, a stretched pair of women's nylons that you're holding really tight. Another, that's how it functions. Another way in a three-dimensional analogy is a bit more like a spider web, but picture like six spider webs interconnecting and crossing kind of in a star shape, if you pull that spider web from one side, the entire spider web changes shape. So that three-dimensional analogy is a little bit easier for people to grasp in vivo, like in our body, how it actually works. Because at any given moment, and I'm sure all the listeners can relate to this, when you have a tight muscle or something and you're like, uh, I don't know. Like, it's so weird. My lower back or my shoulder, it's all interconnected. So you may have reached weird with your lower back, but actually your neck gets kinked, right? Because this is all continuous and you can't actually 
disconnect fascia. It runs in the longest channels in our body. So it doesn't really, I mean, it does stop and start, but it's not short little pieces. They're very long, interconnected, intertwined pieces. And then the other thing that I like to kind of give an example. I'm, I'm, I'm a visual learner, so it's interesting. No, this is great. When I'm, I'm, when I'm trying to picturing it in like a yeah. real way instead of just yeah. being like, oh yeah, fascia is in our body. Yeah, exactly. The other thing I like to say is like, if you picture cellophane, so some people, you know, they might get injured and they can't quite recover from an injury. And the tissue, the, the actual health of the fascia itself, which we'll talk about in a second, is really important because in a piece of saran wrap, if you pull it east and west and then you let go, you will have stretched the saran wrap. And as you know, you can't get that, you know, stretchiness back once you've stretched a saran wrap piece or cellophane, whatever you want to call it. And when our fascia and tissue is healthy, we actually can, and it is very resilient, like I mentioned with the women's nylon. So sometimes when people have a recurring injury and it's just not getting better, you can kind of tell them, oh, it's that cellophane, it's stretched too much or it's contracted too much in one area or another. And that's why we need to actually work on the health of the tissue itself. So let's talk about the health of the tissue. So sure, the health of the tissue is like a sponge. So if you take a sponge and you open it out of the pack and then you use it, it's nice and, you know, resilient and it can move and bend and twist and do all the things. Then when you leave that sponge out to dry and you want to use it the second time, it's actually more brittle. And if you want to move that sponge and you bend it and twist it when it's all dry, it makes these crack lines or it rips or it doesn't actually have that flexibility to those different forces coming at it. So all that sponge really needs is to be run under warm water and then it can wring and twist and bounce and stretch. So that's the difference between healthy tissue or healthy fascia versus kind of dry, brittle fascia. And you can kind of picture the two. So a nice wet sponge and a nice dry sponge, you can picture one is going to be very more prone to wrinkles, (laughs) for example that dry sponge, when you bend it, those wrinkles are going to be there and they're going to stay. And the wet sponge, it can wrinkle, but it can bounce right back again. So it's really important that we keep our fascia and our tissue in that healthy state. So when we talk about that wet sponge, for example, that's hydration, right? So that would be ensuring that if we go back to that spider web picture, so I want everyone to picture like a layer of skin And then under our skin is that spider web-like matrix, for lack of a better word, keeping between the subcutaneous fat layer of the face and our skin. Or I shouldn't say the face anyway, just general, but we're talking about the face here specifically. So we've got the layer of skin, we've got that fascial matrix, and then we've got our subcutaneous fat layer. So you can picture like if you pinch your cheeks, you've got, you know, there's little subcutaneous fat in there. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that that I do and have, you know, kind of looked into over the years is how to create not only that healthy, bouncy, resilient fascia underneath the skin, but also of course, you know, with facial acupuncture that I do cosmetic acupuncture that also helps bring hydration right underneath the needle. So it's how do we boost circulation? 
How do we increase the hydration? And how do we increase the space of the matrix of the fascia? So again, if that spider web is just collapsed rather than open with lots of space, then that's another reason that skin's going to kind of look saggy or have wrinkles and so forth. So, you know, when we are talking about healthy versus unhealthy fascia, specifically in the face, but, you know, definitely if you have examples elsewhere in the body, you mentioned that, you know, wrinkles or saggy is one sign of perhaps an unhealthy fascia. Does it exhibit itself in other ways or is it specifically about firming and tightening? So that's a great question. So in everybody's skin of their face, there's going to be different ways in which the fascia or the skin are going to exhibit what's actually going on internally. So one example is the way that we breathe. So the way that we breathe is obviously going to, you know, be how we carry oxygen to that tissue, which is obviously very necessary. So we'll talk about that in a minute, nasal breathing versus mouth breathing. The second thing is actually hydrating our tissues. So believe it or not, not all water is the same. And we think of liquid as being hydration, and that's not even the case, even a little bit. It's very important that people understand that our cells want, you know, very clean and readable, for lack of a better term, within quotation marks, water. So the type of water that's in, you know, cucumbers or celery or what have you, those are um, kind of our natural hydration because they have sodium, potassium, like all the different minerals and electrolytes that help our body absorb what we need. One thing we ought to talk about here is how eating water and nutrient dense food is so important for staying hydrated and so important for your skin. There are obvious options like celery, watermelon, and cucumber, but we also recommend things like sweet potatoes and cauliflower that also have high water content. Finally, we recommend making sure that you get a ton of healthy fats and antioxidants like from avocados because they can help support your skin barrier and reduce transepidermal water loss. Versus like tap water, which can have heavy metals, PCBs, plastic, all kinds of things, right? So when our body has to actually detoxify like municipal tap water versus, you know, properly, what's the word I'm looking for? Properly structured water. And water is a whole different conversation. Like we could riff on an entire podcast about water. But anyways, my point is for this audience is that number one, make sure you're drinking filtered water. And I cannot emphasize that one enough. Like everyone stop drinking tap water. It will make the biggest difference. The other thing is you don't need to drink like gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of water. I know some people just think I'll drink more water and quote unquote, clear out my skin. Here's the thing. If your lymphatic system, which we haven't really presented in this podcast, but our lymphatic system is kind of the way we take out the trash, for lack of a better word. If things aren't draining properly in our body, our skin is one of the roots that our body is going to use to excrete those toxins when that system is clogged up. When that system is clogged up, the fascia is another place where the body can kind of dump things and it can get a little bit sticky because the lymphatic system is intertwined with the fascia. So to answer your question, if people are 
noticing that their face is wrinkling or they're having acne or other things. A few quick, again, podcast tips on here would be to check in with your hydration. Are you drinking, you know, like if you're drinking six gallons of water a day of tap water, like first of all, cut that out. So recently, Jason did an episode on the Mind Body Green podcast with Aaron Brockovich. Yes, that Aaron Brockovich. In the episode, they talked about the water pollution crisis and what can be done about it. Unfortunately, right now, much of the burden does fall on you to make sure that your drinking water is clean and healthy. So I do recommend listening to the episode to hear all of her advice and how you can take matters into your own hands. One tip that I will point out here is to call your local municipal for their water quality report. They are supposed to do it quarterly and it gives you a breakdown of what is tested in your water. Second of all, listen to your body's cues of when you are thirsty. You know, don't don't just drink liquids to hydrate. You know, really focus on electrolyte and mineral dense water again in watery fruits and vegetables, something a lot of people lack in our diet these days. And electrolytes, just making sure that if you are having some water, sometimes we just need some filtered water, (laughs) sometimes adding a little bit of pink salt or minerally dense stuff can help in that capacity. Quickly, I want to address, you know, something that you brought up within your answer is the connection between the lymphatic system and fascia. Mm -hmm. Uh, These two are pretty connected, no? Absolutely. Absolutely. So because fascia is these continuous sheaths and because we talked about those three layers of it at the top, so it's underneath the skin, it wraps around our organs and it wraps around our bone, wraps around our bones, joints, muscles, and so forth. So those are the three kind of layers. It's everywhere. So in people, so again, we're not really specifically talking about this today, but we do a lot of gut health and stool testing here as well in our clinic. And that's something that we look at what might be causing an excess strain, uh, a stealth infection or something like that within the gut that may be dumping more toxins into the lymphatic system, which might make people's fascia tight. So we actually see it a little bit backwards in our clinic. So people, as I said, at the top of the episode, we might see, you know, women who come in and they're like, I don't know, like my back kind of hurts or, oh, I heard you did cosmetic acupuncture. So they get to us from some sort of external reason that they're coming in for. And then when we move their fascia around in their body or their face or whatever we're doing, and we see, oh, this is actually, you know, likely something internal. And the reason I say that is this, if you have been foam rolling, if you've been doing fascial release yourself, if you've seen a fascial release practitioner and so on, and you haven't had the results that you're looking for, that's when you need to look at what I'm talking about. So if we treat someone and we're like, oh, we didn't quite get it moving the way we want to, there might be something else here at play. That's when we might go into stool testing, see what's in the gut, see how their lymphatics are draining and so on and so forth, because it might actually be that system that's impeding the movability, the mobility, (laughs) the mobility and flexibility of that fascia. And that's what is more likely contributing to it. So we actually see the patient again from the external injury coming in, but then we might actually be doing with certain people working on their internal physiology to actually get the fascia healthy again. 
So I want to dive a little bit more into the face specifically. We have talked about how an unhealthy fascia can exhibit itself in, you know, sagging, perhaps acne, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to talk about how the face fascia specifically, you know, I think we talk a lot about holding stress in our face. That's something that I do. I specifically hold it in, in my jaw. I think a lot of people do things like that. How does that impact this discussion? Does it at all? Okay. I'm so excited that you asked this question in that way and shared your personal thing. Cause I love talking about the TMJ, our jaw. And I love talking about, um, you know, how our facial expressions or how our feelings for lack of a better word, yeah, please, people, we're going to go into feelings here, is that these can actually really make a difference on how we feel mechanically. So in our fascia. So here's an example. If I just right now in this moment have everyone just close their eyes and picture the thing that brings you the most joy or what you are the most grateful for, you'll notice that on the outer corners of your forehead and sides of your head, they kind of, those muscles lit up a little bit for you as we did that exercise. And that's because when we have that tiny bit of joy or that tiny bit of our corners of our mouth coming up, those muscles in that fascial sleeve are engaged. So when we think about someone's face who's worried, obviously we're talking a lot about those 11s between the eyebrows, which is another common complaint we deal with here at my clinic. And when we have picture like you're going to go on a date or you are, you know, going to be writing an exam or something and you get that knots in your stomach type of feeling. When we have those emotions, our fascia immediately will respond by becoming tighter or more resilient and so on and so forth. I'm sure on this podcast, or at least on Mind Body Green, for sure, you guys are very, I know you guys talk about the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic nervous system, our fight or flight system, tell our body, oh my gosh, like we need to run away from this tiger. It's our survival mode nervous system. So when your body gets into that survival mode of, oh my gosh, danger, then everything tightens because the body is getting ready to have to run and survive. And so when we experience that emotion this day and age in 2021, it's very different from what our physiology was responding to way back in the day of our ancestors when they were literally running from a lion or whatever. So that actually plays a part in how the fascia tightens, how we hold our face, and people don't even realize it. And then what happens is once you've made that, you know, if you're a worrier and you can see this on people, if you are someone who worries quite a bit, those 11 lines start to come and display themselves because we do it so frequently. And then as we were mentioning, the health of the tissue is important. And sometimes I want to just give kudos to everybody who is doing all the things or, you know, attempting to do the things that they do know because it is important to keep the tissue healthy. But as I mentioned earlier, if we have stealth infections or our lymphatics aren't draining the way we need them to or so on and so forth, you can do all the things. And sometimes, you know, it's just, you just haven't figured out what that is for you yet. And that's okay. So we're talking about what we can get at. Sure. But sometimes those 11s and we're worrying, they're going to stick and stay like that. So I'll say to some of my patients who are coming in for their facials, I'll say, 
okay, relax here. And they're like, oh, I am relaxing here. And you actually have to, like what you can notice, everyone listening, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you are a worrier and you hold that kind of 11 worry in your eyebrows, and then you actually smile and those, you feel again, that little tingle in the outer corners of the jaw and the side of the scalp that actually pulls the 11s apart, right? So you can see where that kind of gratitude and joy and practicing those emotions and then being really good at letting go of all the worry can actually play a part in, as you mentioned, holding stress and trauma in the face. Now, when it comes to the TMJ, because we have to talk about this because that's your your area. <laughs> it's your area. It's my area. So give me help. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Here we go. So breathing is not talked about enough. Proper breathing technique is so, so, so important. As I mentioned, that plays a huge role in health of the tissue. So I know on this podcast over and over, water, water, hydration, blah, blah, blah. But breathing is so essential and proper breathing is so essential. So a lot of people in general, I won't say women, I I deal a lot with women, but in general, right now, there's an epidemic epidemic of over-breathing and mouth-breathing. Now, one of the contributing factors of that is our postural demands of the day, screens, looking down, this and that, pro-inflammatory foods, all these different things, dental hygiene, so many different things. But our jaws potentially don't grow in like they need to, or to your point, we hold stress in our jaws or we clench or we mouth breathe, so or we snore at night. So our mouth falls open and we end up breathing through our mouth or our jaw ends up wide open and we should actually have our jaw shut and closed when we're not eating or talking and we should be breathing through our nose. But nasal patency is also an issue for some people. I'm sure you know people with sinus issues and you know it's it's hard for them to get that nasal breath. So one of the things even that will play a part for people especially people who have dark circles under their eyes or that puffiness kind of beside the nose on either side is to get into nasal breathing over mouth breathing. So I always ask people when you're working out, pay attention, does your mouth drop open? So if you go for a run, if you go for a hard workout, if you notice one minute into it, you're dropping your mouth open and you're kind of panting, then your body's not oxygenating like it should. And lactic acid will be the byproduct of breathing through the mouth. So we have, <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know how many rabbit holes. I'm, I'm a rabbit hole person. So I'm trying Please, to- Please, I find this all interesting. <laughs> Go down all the rabbit holes. <laughs> so in the present, so I'm sure everyone here has heard of aerobics. So, you know, like, you know, aerobics class, like step class, blah, blah, blah. So we have an aerobic metabolism and we have an anaerobic metabolism aerobic, just like it sounds with the, you know, 80s leg warmers and the, you know, what are they called? Wrist warmers and stuff is because you do that at a pace where you can breathe comfortably, right? Whereas when you go on a cardio piece of equipment, you can ask it to go to an 80% heart rate or more. And that would be more an anaerobic. That's a sprint, right? So you're trying to work a different system in your body. 
when we, again, have to run from that lion or tiger or what have you, we need to run really quickly and we need to get the heck out of there. So in order to sprint, it's okay that we need to drop our mouth open for a second or grab oxygen from another source because we have to do that. And anyway, that burns glucose a different way or burns our fuel source a different way than it does when when we are in the presence of oxygen with that aerobic form. The byproduct of using that anaerobic form is a lactic acid buildup. So I'm sure everyone listening has had sore muscles after a workout or that kind of lactic acidy feeling like when you're, you know, when you're sore. Or sometimes after a night out of drinking in your high heels and your body's kind of sore the next day. <laughs> Same kind of idea. So that is where your body might be a little stiff and sore even changing the breathing pattern to nasal over mouth breathing would make a difference in that lactic acid buildup in people's fascia from a workout or what have you. So like I said, if you're doing a workout or you're doing cardio, remember that the point is to be able to nasal breathe the entire time, which is really challenging. Everyone listening, I want you to try at your next workout. I want you to try and keep your mouth shut the entire time. And it's okay if you can't. And, but to, just be conscious of it. Say, oh my gosh, wow, I do mouth breathe my entire workout. Okay, I'm going to actually take more breaks. So I'll breathe through my nose. I'll start to feel myself get a bit tired. I'm going to take a little break and then I'm going to come back to it. Now, what's even more important is that, again, we mentioned clearing those nasal passages. There's a really interesting book actually called Breath by James Nestor, which I recommend I read. And he actually did an entire experiment where he just breathed through his mouth for two weeks and completely blocked his nose. And they tested all his different parameters and markers and biology. And it was astounding how, how much and well, in detriment his body was from just doing that. So, you know, I'm curious, we have talked about the fascia all over. Is there something that makes the facial fascia different or is it just all part of the same connected tissue? So it's actually not different per se, we did kind of talk about when you experience an emotion and then your stomach kind of going in knots or an emotion and then it shows up on your face. So it's not really different. There's obviously ways that we can address our facial fascia, which we'll talk about in a second. But no, it's there are continuous sheaths of fascia that run perhaps from the jaw all the way to the side of the foot or from the top of the head all the way down to the bottom of the feet. So they're long, continuous sheets. So no, it's not technically different, but yes, there are those three layers that we talked about. So there is what's directly underneath the skin, around our organs, and then around our bones and muscles. Yeah. I mean, let's get into how we can specifically deal with facial fascia. We obviously have talked about staying hydrated, you know, in a thoughtful way, like you mentioned, we have talked about breathing, but you know, are there mechanical ways that you can help the fascia? Are there even topicals? You know, I'm just spitballing ideas here. Okay. I love this so much. I actually, I prepared a little something for us. So what I want us to do, so you actually talked about TMJ, which again is a huge thing that we see here at TMB at my clinic. And we, this is something I want to share with uh, everyone on here because, and I'm actually just going to do one region, for example, because I think it covers a lot of ground for most of us. 
So I want everyone to kind of feel where your collarbones are. So take your index, middle, ring, and pinky fingers and feel for your collarbones on the front of your body. And then slide just underneath your collarbones and add enough pressure to bruise a tomato with all four of those fingers. And then just move your fingers left and right and you'll kind of feel a little ridge of tissue. This is one of the biggest sheets of fascia in our face. It runs from exactly where I just have you, where your fingers are, and it comes, take your fingers, go all the way up the front part of the neck with both hands on both sides, and then where your fingertips end up just on the other side of your jaw, like right where your jawbone is, that's where it ends. So again, that sheet goes right from the bottom of the jaw there at the front of the face, all the way down the front of the neck into those collarbones. And that's an area called your platysma. And why I like to do this, people call it, what's it called? Décolleté or whatever, (laughs) uh, when you work this area. So I'm going to show you guys how to do a little self-release of that area. Again, because if people are mouth breathers and you open your mouth, that part of your jaw falls open. When we work at computers, when we're in that kind of posture, that platysma area can get shortened and that can contribute even more to that TMJ area. We talk a lot about proper breathing in this episode and since recording it a few weeks ago, I have been really trying to focus on what she told me. I was shocked about how often I resorted to mouth breathing unintentionally. I totally blame my posture for working over a laptop all day long, But now that I have focused on it, I am noticing a difference in how I feel overall. Now, focusing on your breathing can not only benefit the fascia, as she's explaining here, but breathwork in general has been shown to have significant benefits for the body. For example, something as simple as making your exhale longer than your inhale has been shown to send the body into a more parasympathetic state, lowering your blood pressure and cortisol levels in the process while coherent breathing, a type of long, slow breath, has been associated with decreasing depressive symptoms. Another reason why I'm gonna, I've chosen this area to share with you guys is because there's so much beautiful lymphatic tissue underneath that area specifically, so that will also help drain any static lymph in that area. And again, it's also very connected to the jaw and the TMJ where we, a lot of us hold stress. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways let's release it together. And this is one of my favorite things to do after a stressful day, or for example, after this podcast, when I'm done hunching over my microphone. (laughs) So what you'll do, just like we started with those four fingers under the collarbone, if you're driving bookmark this for later, so you can do it later. So keep those four fingers kind of Again, just underneath the collarbone, press down so you're not on the bone, but you're just underneath with all eight of those fingers. And then just tilt your head left and tilt your head right, and you'll feel that tissue move underneath your fingers. And that's how you know, okay, great, we're in the right spot. Now, from here, you're going to turn your, bring your head just back to normal, turn your head to look to the left. And then you're going to lean your head back and your right fingers are going to press in in that area. 
and you'll definitely feel like a deep stretch and you'll feel that area kind of opening up. Now, everybody is different. So you may need to move your fingers a little bit wider. So if you were super medial by your sternum, then you might need to broaden your contact a little wider and then go from there. Come back to center. So now your head's in the center again and rotate your head to look over your right shoulder. Press down with your left hand and then lean your head back like you're tilting it back away from your fingertips. And again, you'll feel a nice stretch through that area. Did you feel that? I did. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So let's take our fingers at the front of the jaw now. So you're not underneath the jawbone, you're on the front. So if I'm looking at your face, your fingertips are on your face, but they're framing your jawbone. And from here, you're going to press into that area and you're going to look up to the sky as you press those fingertips in and glide them down a little bit. And that's where that fascia starts, for example. And you can do that a few times. You don't, again, you're not pressing crazy hard. It's enough pressure to bruise a tomato. And that's the top of that muscle. Now let's go to the widest parts of that fascial area. So, okay, how am I going to describe this? <laughs> so go to the, go to the very tips of your shoulders. So when you take your fingers out to the absolute, like the end last bony point that you can feel on the broadest part of your shoulders and then go inwards. So you're on the front of your shoulder. So if you are on that bony point on the widest part and you were to look in the mirror, bring your fingers on the front of your body. So you're kind of at the front of the shoulder there. That's another area, again, close to the collarbone. So come up higher. That's another area where you can just press down and sort of give that tissue. It's almost like you're milking the tissue and you're pushing it into the lymphatics right on the anterior part of the armpit, like in the front of the chest. And you're kind of taking out the trash or gliding the widest parts of that platysma area into that anterior axillary lymph node cavity where we can actually take out some trash. Then let's come up to the sides of the jaw. I'm so obsessed with this one for so many reasons. So as I mentioned, we do facial acupuncture, we do cosmetic acupuncture. And what's so cool is where all the fascia intersects around the TMJ, excuse me, where all the meridians are around the TMJ are actually all related to digestive organs, interestingly enough. So a lot of women who have TMJ issues also potentially have sluggish digestion, constipation, bloating, et cetera. So even doing this can have such a powerful, you know, downstream effect on digestion as well, if you're doing this. So yes, we're here doing it for the vanity purpose, but it actually will have downstream effects. That is so interesting too, just because I feel like we, we talk all the time about the gut skin access and, you know, how it's all interconnected. And so it's, it's interesting to see that that similar connection exhibit itself in other modalities. It Yes. So to your point, what we're doing exactly is a mechanical release. So real quick, take three fingers. So your index, middle and ring fingers, and you'll place them at the, so the jaw kind of makes that L shape on either side of the 
jaw (laughs) and then bring the fingers. You'll notice there's a little notch where your fingers can go behind the jaw. You don't want to be behind the jaw. You're just going to come on to that angle of the jaw with those three fingers. And I want you to glide up. So your fingers are going to go up as you open your mouth. So again, enough to bruise a tomato and then open your mouth as you're gliding upwards with those fingers. So keep that fingers on that angle of the jaw. You're still on the face and then you're pressing up as you're opening your mouth. So it's stretching the tissue under there. And then another technique that I love. So already like mine already feels looser. From yeah. Doing that. And then another one I love is little creepy crawly fingers. So get your thumb at the very base of that L shape of the jaw on either side. And then take those three fingers that we just had and pinch. I'm going to kind of talk funny so you can understand what I'm doing. You're pinching the skin and you're rolling like a little caterpillar. You don't let go of the skin. You just keep rolling up the sides of your cheeks until you get all the way to your cheekbone. So my my thumb is pressing in. My fingers are rolling and pressing up. I am so glad this is audio and not visual. But anyways, and then you can release that there and you can again feel like, oh my goodness, that feels just so much more, I don't know, open in that region. Now, another one is to take your four fingers, index, middle, ring, and pinky and come just, so put them all together at the joint of the jaw. So up in front of the ear. So where your ear has that little, that little nubbin (laughs) come right in front of that or under the cheekbone, however you want to describe it. And then I want you to fan those four fingers up into your hairline until you feel a ridge of bone. So that's our temporalis bone. And that muscle also contributes to the jaw. Now, what's really important with fascia, like I mentioned, it's so three-dimensional. So on some people massaging this temporalis muscle, you might want to actually push your fingers forward. You might want to actually push your fingers backward toward your ponytail area. You might want to actually glide your fingers up towards the crown of the head and open the mouth as you do it. You might just want to draw little circles one way or another. So again, you fanned your fingers open. So they're super wide, like a fan, you have four fingers right under that ridge and you just play with which angle feels best for you. And the reason that is, is because if there is tension in the jaw, in that fascia, in that temporalis area, everyone's will be bunched kind of in a different shape or angle. So I always say, if you like it pressed forward, press it forward. If you like it pressed back, press it back and just play it, pay attention with what you need. So what you can do, I actually kind of taught that a little bit backwards. Sometimes I start from the temporalis and then go up the jaw and then do everything we just did backwards and come down the platysma and then dump into the axillary. So I'm actually going to show you the last thing. You're going to take the heel of your hand, so the heel of your palm, and you're going to put it in the little cavity in your chest in front of your shoulder and under your collarbone. There's like a little, like if you just kind of hit on your chest across Mm -hmm. from you, you you just kind of land in this, in this area. That's a very lymphatic rich area. So You just relax. So I have my right hand on my left chest and I'm just going to quick in quick circular, like kind of like that. You're just getting the lymphatics open and draining. And I'm going to kind of do this with my voice because it kind of is aggressive a little bit. 
as you do those circles, you don't move. It's not gliding on your skin. You're just kind of pressing in and making little circles. And then you do the same thing on the other side. So take your left hand into that cavity of the right chest underneath the collarbone, medially to the shoulder, and then just again, make those circles. If you're not sure where we're talking about anatomically, you can just look up where the lymphatics are in the front of the armpit and kind of go from there. But that's, that's something that I love to do when I put my face oil on at night. I love doing those creepy crawlies up the side of my face. I love just, you know, people often on the internet, quote unquote, need to like look up this gua sha technique or look up this facial massage or look up this or that. As long as you are paying attention to what your face is wanting. So if you're feeling tight here, or if you're feeling like you need release, like look up, I mean, there's no shortage of information on the internet. There's so many different techniques and whatever lands with you. But I often times find that people are pretty intuitive when it comes to working on their own face. So I just like to, with clean hands, take my face oil and on a clean face, you know, that's what I use at night anyways, as my um, moisturizer. And then I'll just like, and it doesn't have to be 30 minutes and it doesn't have to be with the tools. It just has to be, it's honestly, you know, I do it for 20 seconds and I'm done. And that makes the biggest difference. Why? Because you're relaxed and it helps relaxing you. And then you have, um, you know, that moisturizer is also working better, but then you can breathe better as well, which like I said, is a very, very important part of our facial symmetry and our, how our face is. I love what you ended that with just because, you know, I think so often we get inundated on social media or, you know, various media websites. And it's always like, this is the best way to do gua sha. This is the best facial massage. This is the best, this, best, that, best. And it's always, you know, people are so dogmatic about it when in fact, you know, I think we need to broaden it up and just say to people, you know, your body, you can feel your body and, you know, you can make this work, this modality work for you. And I, I just, I feel like I always find the best professionals, the best experts, the, you know, the best uh, teachers are the ones who say, Hey, I'm giving you the tools, but they're in your hands. You make it work for you. And I just think that is such like an empowering message for people. I love that you're saying that because I feel like I show women that they've been duped into thinking living healthy is hard Mm -hmm. and that natural beauty is unattainable. And I'm just like, hey, guys, I'm doing it too along with you. And here's how it is attainable. And the only way it is attainable is if we can do it for 20 seconds every single day, right? Compounded over time, doing 20 seconds a day is way better than doing a one hour gua sha routine, (laughs) you know, once a month or quarterly, right? Yeah. So last question, what do you do for yourself? What is your beauty routine? You know, this, this is obviously products, but it's lifestyle too. I I say that everything is skincare. So how do you, how do you take care of your skin? Oh, such a good question. So number one, I'm going to talk about is what I mentioned earlier. So Products are great. I have my own supplement line and I do, they're all about beauty. So I do believe in supplementing in a sense in our current world because 
we don't take care of ourselves like we should. But I always say supplements is second. So I have a collagen called Primal Beauty. I have a vitamin called Beauty Hack. I have a sleep supplement because sleep is so important when it comes to beauty. And I have a gut supplement because, again, when we digest better, we derive our nutrients better and it travels to create healthy tissue. So that's one of the ways. But again, that's always supplemental to a proper lifestyle. So I'll never pretend like that's like if you live your life, you know, just no sleep, coffee, stress, hate your job, hate your spouse, this and that, and take some supplements, you're not going to have good skin. You heard it here first. And so I say the best, most accessible thing for my own beauty routine is honestly gratitude. And I say that because your face instantly changes when you get into the vibration of gratitude. It gives you an instant boost of confidence. And like I mentioned, the most beautiful thing to me is speaking to someone who's authentic and passionate and grounded and feels positive, right? And in this landscape, who doesn't want to be around a positive person and somebody who radiates that energy? So first and foremost, that's I don't know if that's, you know, cheesy. No, that's that, perfect. That is just how I feel about beauty these days, honestly. And then the other things that for me are non-negotiables is being out in nature, fresh air, as I mentioned, my breathing, which is very important to me, sweating because it's a natural moisturizer. <laughs> so whether that's from saunaing, I'm obsessed with doing saunas or working out, of course, and good lighting. Look at yourself in good lighting. Don't look at yourself in crappy lighting because it doesn't do anybody any favors. I (laughs) love that tip. (laughs) And then my last one is about bedtime. So I know a lot of people talk about sleep, like get eight hours or blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's sleep is actually our relationship to natural light and knowing our circadian rhythm. So honoring a bedtime. I look way better when I go to bed at 9.30 than when I go to bed at midnight. Eight hours irrelevant or whatever hours you need. I'm sorry, it's not fun. But when you actually keep an earlier bedtime, you'll be less puffy and all the rest and all the things because of different things that our body needs to secrete in relation to the light and where the sun is in the day and so on and so forth, which is we can save for another podcast. The human body has a very intricate relationship with light, natural and otherwise. We know that natural light is better for us, full stop. Exposure to it balances our circadian rhythms, decreases feelings of depression, and boosts vitamin D. And on the flip side, fluorescent light has actually been shown to increase your body's stress response. We definitely recommend focusing on getting exposure to natural light as much as possible. Don't forget to wear your SPF though. Basically, That's what I would say. Go to bed early. I can't even say that enough. I know people, again, say eight hours, nine hours, whatever, but no, actually having a bedtime and keeping it, you know, within three hours of eating and actually when after the sun's gone down, don't be awake for six, seven hours after the sun's gone down because you will change how things are secreting and that will change how your lymphatics drain and it will change how your face looks in the morning. And then, of course, my tricks, I do facial acupuncture, of course. And I have a workout platform called Body Fabric. It's all about fascia. It's all about our fascial release, how to take care of our fascia, workouts, and of course, all this face stuff as well. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was such an informative episode. I'm so excited that we got to do a practice with you as well. I will definitely be doing that myself and I am sure other people will be joining along when they listen. And I just, you know, I appreciate you coming on here and being so informative and helpful and gentle and kind. I I really enjoyed this episode. Me too. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey guys, just popping back in here to say thanks for joining us this week at Clean Beauty School. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're looking for more beauty content or just wellness content in general, don't forget to check out our website, mindbodygreen.com, our Instagram, mindbodygreen, and of course, our parent podcast, the Mind Body Green Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks again. See you next week.